If you're new with us, we're glad that you're here. If you've been around for a while, you know that we love you. Never is church as usual here. I'm thankful that last week the team held it down when I was in Florida. I heard Pastor Jared on the webcast. He did an amazing job. And so today what I want to do is give us a grand finale to our sermon series on worldview. I basically had a choice. I could have gone through every one of the competing worldviews and given them their own sermon. Then I would have to talk about Islam for a week, Roman Catholicism, and so forth. But I just didn't feel that's what God wanted me to do. So I have put them all together in this grand finale. The notes are online or on our app for your uh, ability to go back and check the links. I give you the best resources for those worldviews for your future study. But the title of today's message is The Axe is Already at the Root. We're going to learn about God's Word being the axe, able to cut down anything that gets in its way. If you're ready, somebody say, I'm ready. Amen. Now, when you go to the book of Romans, you see that our sermon series had a flow to it. And so this might be review, but I want to make sure in this grand finale I tie it all together. The first scripture that we had to understand in knowing about a worldview was that a worldview comes from the thinking of Christ. It comes from the mind of Christ. And so if we're not saved, we will see the world through our own lenses. When we get saved, God now wants us to see the world through his lenses, his word. Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and onward, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your true and proper worship. So as Christians, we don't let our body dictate how we serve God. Even Jesus said as he was about ready to go to the cross, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. We don't let our flesh keep us home from church or not have us pray and do different things. We don't let our flesh control us with its appetites and desires. We literally consider it an offering we let God burn up. As Jesus said, we carry our cross. We deny ourselves. Now look at verse two, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Or in other words, don't think like the world or don't have a worldview like the world. Don't see things the way the world does. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be metamorphosized, go from a caterpillar to a butterfly by the renewing of your mind. The Bible says, for as a man thinketh, so is he. As you are in your mind is how you will live out. Everybody here is a theologian living out their belief in God. Even if they say they're an atheist, they're disbelieving in a God they know doesn't exist. Everyone has a pattern of living they're already following or an idol that they're worshiping if they're not following the right pattern, the true God. At heart, Calvin said, every man is an idolater. We worship our job. We worship our money. We worship our prestige, our education, our, our popularity. And so we shouldn't have that pattern. That's the pattern of the world. We are to be transformed like a transformer by the renewing of our mind. Now look at what it says there lastly. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, what his good, perfect, uh, pleasing, and perfect will is. Everybody say good. Everybody say pleasing, and everybody say perfect. Thank you. That's how you know what God's will is. God's will is good. God's will goes along with his good character. It is pleasing to him. It is not grieving to him, and it is 
perfect. You and I cannot use the excuse, nobody is perfect, and then get along however we want in life, stumbling through the darkness and expect God to be merciful to us on the day of judgment. Our target is God's goodness. Our target is pleasing God. Our target is his perfect will. If we don't have faith in that, Jesus is truly not our Lord and Savior. It's not that we're saved by our good works. We're saved by his good work, and his good work was good, pleasing, and perfect. And we are to receive it and to be made his masterpiece, his new creation. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now, the moment you do that, you're going to be attacked in this world. Your worldview is going to cause others with different worldviews to attack you. They're going to see your morality and say, I don't like that. I don't like that you think having sex outside of marriage is wrong. We want you to accept that. They're going to say to you, we don't like that you say Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. We don't like that. We want you to be like Oprah and have a buffet of religion and everybody's way is equal. They're going to say to you, we don't like that you consider homosexuality perverted. You don't have the right to do that. We think you should accept homosexuality and have a parade with us and show us how much you accept and tolerate us. You see, that's what the world is going to do. They're going to come right against you. The Bible then says you have to go on the defensive. You have to defend against their attacks, their attacks of their gods, their attacks of their sexuality, their attacks that they're going to put against you. And listen, you're not defending God. You're defending you. The lion doesn't need a defense. You need a defense from the lion. Are you listening? Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Our defense is not on his behalf for him. We're doing it so we don't believe the lie and go back to stinking thinking. We're defending against their accusations so that we don't worship a false God after having worshiped the true God. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. So in all that you do in defense, you're standing in the position of Jesus is Lord. He is Yahweh. He is the God of Israel. There is none other than him. His word is foundational. If you disagree with him, you're going to have a problem with him because that is first and foremost my foundation. Jesus is Lord. But then from that point, we do give an answer. We don't just say Jesus is Lord. I don't talk about religion. It says always be prepared to give an answer. Somebody say apologia. The Greek word apologia means to give an answer or to give a defense. It is not an apology. That American word is not related to that Greek word. The Greek word literally means to give an argument to defend what you believe. Arguments and philosophical discussions are for positive beliefs. Sometimes we look at arguments as being just something that people do when they're upset with each other. And that, that the 11th commandment is thou shall not argue or thou shall not offend. That is not the truth of the Bible. The Bible says that we will offend at times, though we shouldn't intentionally do it. The Bible says we will argue at times, though we shouldn't be quick to argue. We should be quick to listen and try to make peace. But there will become arguments. There will become offenses. You don't crucify somebody you love. What did they do to Jesus? They crucified him. Why? Because he rebuked and corrected them. So it says, always be prepared to give an answer. So we're defending what we believe to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. So if someone was to ask you about your sex sexual ethics, you could say, I believe the sexual ethics of the Bible 
as they are taught by Jesus because Jesus is the Lord of my life. Do you notice how it goes back to revering Christ as Lord? If they ask you, what are your opinions about other religions? My opinion might be like an armpit. Everybody has them armpits and they generally stink. I'm not here to give you my opinion. I'll tell you what Jesus said about other religions because he's my Lord. If I was in the military and you asked me what I was doing, I would tell you what my commanding officer had did. In our faith-based relationship with Jesus, we still have a commanding officer. We do what he says. So every answer we give about the hope that's in us, Christ is Lord. Christ said he's the only way. That's why I believe it. Christ said he made in the beginning male and female, and the two become one in marriage. Not polygamy, not polyamory, not homosexuality, not adultery. This was his purpose from the beginning. That's my belief of sexuality. Jesus said the drunkard shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus said that. Jesus is Lord. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit wrote the books of the New Testament with the apostles. I listened to them. Everybody listening to me. Amen. That's how we do it. And it says, keep a clear conscience. You do it with gentleness and respect, and you keep a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So when people say, is it true that your pastor hates homosexuals? You go, shame on you. You should be ashamed for saying that. My pastor has the opposite behavior. The behavior of my pastor is he loves the LGBT community, but what he says is their behavior is a sin. Clean out your ears, rewind the tape, listen to what he told you. Hello? So if somebody comes up to you and says, oh, you must hate the transgender people. No, you didn't hear me. I love transgender people. I love them. I hate the idea of butchering yourself and making yourself a Frankenstein. You can no more make yourself a man into a woman than I can make myself a bird and fly. Now, truth is truth. There is no your truth and my truth. He is a person, and it's called truth, and all truth comes from the Word. The Logos of God in the beginning was the Word, the logic of God, and the logic of God was with God, and the logic of God was God. Logic, truth, is a person, not just a concept. You would not know your right hand from your left unless Jesus made you in his image. You would be a butt-sniffing animal, monkey, if it wasn't for Jesus putting in you a concept because you were made in his image a monkey wasn't you did not come from the goo through the zoo to you you came via the hands of a creator never forget that you have the ability to think and to rationalize because the logic of God is a person and you were made in his image so you defend what you believe and the Bible says this hate what is evil cling to what is good can I hear an amen but most Christians if they even get to that point that's where they stop they renew their mind, get a Christian worldview, and then they go into the workplace, go into the university, go into politics, go to their job, and they're on the defensive. This is where you'll see them on interviews with Larry King in the past or Katie Couric or, you know, different people, and they'll just give up their defense. But that's not give their defense. The Bible doesn't say stop with defending. You are then to pull out your sword and demolish their argument right in front of them. I love Muslims. I hate Islam. I want to demolish Islam in front of a Muslim. No compassion for the false belief. No compassion for stupidity. 
I am compassionate to stupid people. I am compassionate to foolish people. But Jesus was very clear. The one who hears these words and does not put them into practice is a stupid, foolish person, like a person building their house on sand. Would you build your house on sand? No, don't. You wouldn't be that stupid, right? We, we hear the word fool and we think it's more sanctimonious. I'm going to use the word we use in our culture, stupid. Do not be that stupid to hear the words of Jesus and not obey them. Jesus said it, not me. Jesus said it. But the wise men are those who hear Jesus' words and build their house upon the rock. So now listen, it's his word versus everybody else. There are not really, at the end, multiple hundreds of choices. It's really only one choice that has two options. It's his way or no way. It's his way or hell. Yes, his choice can be rejected. No one will be forced, kidnapped into heaven. You have a choice. I believe in you determining your choice, self-determination. I believe in autonomous free will. You are not a robot that just does what you are told. And so now you make your choice, God's way or another way. C.S. Lewis said it like this, Hinduism embraces all gods, so it comes down to Christianity and Hinduism, because Hinduism will adopt everything else. But I don't even like saying it like that. It is God's way or the wrong way. Can I hear an amen? Now look at what he said, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does, but you are in a war. Do you understand that? You're in a war, but you don't fight like the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. But do you have weapons? Yes, you do. On the contrary, the weapons that we have have divine power to demolish strongholds. What do they do to strongholds? Demolish them. Do they play patty cake with them? Do I want to play patty cake with the LGBT mindset? I love them, but I want to demolish their worldview. I want to see, I will defend mine. Watch, my mind is renewed. Before I was a Christian, I was down with, with polyamory or orgies or whatever. I was down with all of that. But now I'm a Christian. My mind is renewed. I see it the way God sees it, and it's disgusting. They attack me and say, well, does the Bible say this, and does the Bible say that? And I give them all these answers, and then I pull out my sword, and I say, now if you allow this, what stops you from allowing pedophilia? And as their face starts getting red, I start telling them that's what you're opening the door for. And as I start showing them the stats of same-sex relationships have higher domestic abuse, and those who are gay have like quadrupled the amount of STDs than the normal population, and I start showing them the breakdown of the families, what leads to entire civilizations being destroyed, I want them to look at me as an enemy of their worldview being demolished in front of them, because I love the sinner and hate the sin. You see, I'm not like the other pastors who just want them to come and sit here and not be confronted with their worldview being wrong, because as we're about ready to read, whether we talk about it or not, God's going to cut them down and throw them into the fire. So I better tell you what's coming on Judgment Day. I'm your true friend. Let me just tell you that if you're here and you get offended by me, I am not like those tight, pant-wearing, sissy pastors that don't care about you. I am your true friend because I'm telling you what that Bible says. And that's why I always tell you guys, this pastor has no problem being on 6 o'clock news, has no problem debating anything I have on this list, and you can already check out our public debates. Why? Because I care about you that much. Bring me to your college right now. I'll debate the smartest one they have there. And that's not even boasting about me. What I'm trying to say is the truth is the truth, whether you're smart or not. If you can just repeat it, you can get the job done. Amen? 
So we have a power, a source from the word of God that demolishes strongholds. Look at verse 5. We demolish arguments, not people. So once again, somebody says, well, your pastor wants gay people to be mistreated, and he wants those abortion clinics to be blowed up. What should we say back to them? Exactly what Peter says. You should be ashamed of yourself talking about my pastor like that. He never wanted to do one violent thing to you. As a matter of fact, he'll come out there and give you hot chocolate as you're about ready to murder your baby as he's trying to touch, stop you. As a matter of fact, he goes out to the west side and gives out free turkeys as he's preaching to gang members to stop doing it. Hello? Is that not the truth? He'll knock on your door, tell you all about Jesus as he talks about your Hindu faith being a bunch of demons wanting worship. Because I have Hindu neighbors. But they got a bunch of demons that want to be worshipped. Are all just demons. Do you understand? Demons are persons, not physical, but spiritual persons that want to be worshipped and to have possession of souls, and they go by those names. I've been to India. I've been to Nepal. I love them all. Listen to me, but they're demons behind those religions. Not my word, his word. See, I love you enough to tell you that. You get these other pastors on the TV show, they can't tell you. They go on The View, they can't tell you. Why? Because they're chickens and cowards. Why do we support them? Because they say nice things to us. They make you feel good. My friends, I understand you want a cruise ship, but the Bible says this is a battleship. You are in the middle of a war. I know we want a cruise ship. I want to rest sometimes too. Don't you think I just want to come up here and just talk about everything we love about the Bible? Do you know that I've written a 365-day devotional? I can talk a lot, people. You understand that? There are so many good things that I can continually emphasize on. As a matter of fact, starting next month for December, we're going to talk about Thus Says the Lord, a word from the prophets. I'm going to go through different prophets. Most of them you haven't even heard of. Some of you have Habakkuk, Zephaniah, and I'm going to bring out some great nuggies from there. They may be challenging, but they're going to be good. But listen, we love the word of God. I could talk all day about the good things, but I have to warn you about these things because you're in a battle. And if you have an argument, listen, I love you. I love you. But if you have an argument against what I am saying, in the ring, I'm going to demolish your argument. I'm going to demolish it right in front of you. And I'm going to demolish every pretension, just a little pretension. You know, you hear the word pretentious, like, you know, people are stuck up. So it really kind of means that. In the King James, it talks about a high thing, a thing that you kind of exalt above God's knowledge. It's like God said this, but we're smarter. We're 21st century Christians. We know God said this, but we can now do same-sex, we, we, we can do transgender sex surgery, so we're smarter. So whatever pretentious thing you think you're going to pull up above God, I'm going to pull it down right in front of you. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive. Now watch, it gets personal. Every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So I'm not just fighting against arguments out there. I'm also fighting, fighting against arguments in here. Let's be honest, since you've become a Christian, have you had doubts? Have you had thoughts that came above the word of God? Maybe you, saw, maybe you thought to yourself, you know what, I'm tired. I don't need to come to church every week. Maybe you tried to put up a little pretentious thought against God. You need to take it captive. Can I hear an amen? Real simple, get saved, get your mind renewed. Number two, defend the Christian faith. And then number three, demolish the arguments that come against it. All of the notes go into those details. When you look at the Christian worldview, it's very simple. That's why I have no problem going on any public avenue facing any public speaker, no matter if they are smarter than me. And I'm telling you, I know I'm not that smart. So actually, that helps me because I don't try to be that smart. All I have to do is know the truth. That's it. Can I hear an amen? How many know if you went back in time and you couldn't explain everything about the world being round, you know enough to explain to somebody it's not flat. 
right? You would just, you would have enough to, you would just have enough to say to them. And, and they may be like really smart scientists coming back to you going, yeah, but this and yeah, but that. But you could point up there and go, yeah, but understand this. This sun is rotating around us. That's why it's changing the seasons. We're not flat just spinning on a saucer. It's actually a globe. Look, look it up there. You see how it looks round up there? And we know it's not just a round flat saucer up there because we see the moon change. We can see it change, right? So you know what? That's like how our planet is. You would use whatever you had to say the truth you knew. And even if somebody had a greater argument against you, you having the truth would never put you at a disadvantage. It may make you embarrassed because maybe they're a better speaker or maybe they know more about science. But if you have the truth, you're never at the mercy of somebody with a false argument, no matter how good it sounds. And nonsense is nonsense no matter who says it. So we go straight up word. We go straight up God's word to their word. What is our axiom? What is our foundation? The word of God. Thus says the Lord. I've taught you in other lessons that you cannot make sense. Like I said, uh, uh, you know, a rear sm a sniffing monkey. You cannot make sense of rationality and conscious thought without God's word. You cannot. It is impossible. It is literally impossible. We've had it done before, but let me just show you right now. They say it comes from your brain. Then we ask them, where does our brain come from? Then they say it came from the goo. Then we ask them where the goo came from. It exploded. We ask them what exploded. They say, we don't know. We say, now you have science of the gaps. You don't know something. You say science is going to tell you that something. We're saying, now, back up. We have an answer. Mind of God creates matter, space, and time. That's why a bang happens. That's why we see an expansion. That's why we see things decaying. The, part, um, uh, the, the laws of physics show that things decay, and we see things decaying. Had a start. That means it has an end. And now our consciousness is a part of God's consciousness, though we're not pantheists. I tend to see more panentheism, that we have come from the consciousness of God, the breath of God in us. That's another discussion. But here's the bottom line. I can say God did it. You say I don't know. I'm sticking with God. There it is. If they want to put their I don't know above God, that's up to them. And sometimes they'll try to be sassy and say, I don't know. You don't know either, but you're just making up stuff. I can make up stuff. The flying spaghetti monster did it. And then we say, bring your flying spaghetti monster here and see what happens to him. He'll get crushed in the presence of our God because our God is not a mythological God. Our God answers matter, space, and time, consciousness, morality, universe. All the big questions are answered here. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not right. How many know you can stand on top of this building and say, I don't like gravity, jump off, and gravity still is going to do something? You don't get to choose what works and what doesn't work just because you don't understand it. The next thing that we have is presuppositions. Now, God in his word could have made a science book, and that would be all the things that we would know. But God made a book about relationship with him. So in our relationship with him, our book gives us the foundation for those things, which is God is triune, that God created us. It wasn't an accident through evolution, that humanity was born sinful. So anytime anybody has a problem with evil and they're not a Christian, we ask them, what's your problem then? Well, I got a problem with evil. I got a problem. What's your problem? If you're just an animal, came from the goo through the zoo to the you, have you ever watched the Discovery Channel? What's your problem with fish eating other fish? What's your problem with man eating man? What's your problem with Hitler? I mean, without God in the mix, you have no basis for evil. 
God is the source of good, therefore there can be an evil when he gave us a choice. He could have made it only good and not put the tree of knowledge and good and evil in there, but then we would have been robots locked in his garden. We would have been his pets. God did not want stationary robotic pets. God gave us a choice and gave us a way out. So what's the world been like now? It's had some good, it's had evil. And that's why it is the way it is, because we fell. The next thing is Jesus is God in the flesh. It is impossible, another impossibility here. It is impossible to understand Jesus without understanding that he's God in the flesh. You cannot make sense of Jesus without him being God in the flesh. He's either a liar, which would definitely make him not God. He's either a lunatic, just somebody out of his mind, or he's the Lord of glory. There are no other options. Sometimes people try to say he could have been a myth. Only stupid people say he was a myth. All major historians, Christian or not, know he existed. Know whether or not they agree with the whole Bible. Know the Bible pretty much contains his teachings. And his teachings make him out to be a God that does miracles, walks on water, controls the weather, calls himself the Lord of the Israelites, the Lord of all the earth. This man cannot just be an ordinary man. He must be God in the flesh. Next that we see is salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone. There is no other way to read our Bible without understanding that faith is the component of salvation. If you add works to it, you miss it every time. And that is both covenants, not just the new covenant. And then lastly, God will judge the world. Somebody say, God will judge you. Amen. Now, this is what we're going to talk about today, propositions. So you have an axiom, a foundation. It's your starting point. Then you have your basis of how you're going to see the world. This is the Christian worldview. I'm in, I'm in God's world. We're mostly sinful, so we need to see God change us. Jesus came to change us, so we're saved by faith so that we're ready for his judgment. Now, up here, we have to make judgments in the world. I'm going to make a bunch of judgments that he already said. I'm going to say the judgments, rather, that he already said. You have to do this, too, in your own life. Sometimes people use the scripture, thou shall not judge, this, uh, don't judge, lest you will be judged for the same measure you judge others by, you yourself will be judged by. And they say that means we can't make judgments. That's incorrect. When the Bible said do not judge, what that meant is don't judge your own standard, because if you do that, you'll be in trouble. That's in Matthew. In John, Jesus was very clear. He said, judge righteously. Everybody say, judge righteously. So we make judgments based on the word of God and the logic that he gave us from the word of God. So when anybody says, man, I believe in science, man, you can't even, I, I believe in uh, science, I don't believe in God, you can't even have science without God. Science is the last thing of testing truth. We'll get to that in a minute. Or if somebody says, man, I believe in logic, I just don't believe in that religious stuff, explain where logic came from without God. Go. Your turn. Where does logic come from without God? Why does it exist now? Where is it? Where is the law of non-contradiction? Does it hang out somewhere? Remember, it can only exist in a mind. You have a mind. You understand it. Where was it before all human minds were here? It's in the mind of God. In the beginning was the Word, the logic of God, and the logic of God was with God, and He was God. Those who are new here, let me just review that for you. John chapter 1 uses that word logic for us. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the what? And the word was with God, and the word was God. What is the Greek word for word? Logos. Where do they get the word logic from? Logos. You can't have it without it. It's clear. It's simple. So if someone says to you, I don't believe in God, I only believe in logic, you could say back to them, I can only believe in logic because I believe in God. Now, lastly, which I talked about a little bit throughout our series, but it would be good to touch on here, is what we have is our best guesses. We understand that these things can be known with certainty. I can know the word of God is certain. I can know that these things here that God has taught me are certain. 
Not everything in the Bible is certain. I, I know that. There are some things that are left as mysteries, but these clear things that define our relationship with him, they are certain. And then I know that there are important judgments that I can make from the Bible that are certain. You can prove me wrong, but the only way you can do it is deductively from the Bible. That's logically through the Bible, using deduction, deductive logic from the Bible. We are certain about those things. Meaning, if I don't have certainty about these things, I can't have certainty about my own existence. As I've said to you before, how do you know you even exist? Prove it to me. Well, you're thinking. Well, how do you know that you're thinking? You could be in a dream of a God right now. You could be in a scientist's laboratory. How do you know you're here? How do you have proof that you're here? Well, you're feeling, you're doing this and this. You could be in the virtual reality game of some uh, higher created species. You say, the Pastor, that's stupid. Elon Musk, how many know who Elon Musk is? Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla, believes you're in a virtual world right now. Why? Because he's trying to get out of the belief of God. Because God is the only other option for him. Because all we have to say back to the person who believes in their virtual reality is, what reality did they come from? You all understand? It's really simple. So what is science to us? Science is always our best guess. How do we send men to the moon? By our best guess. Do we have the perfect numbers? No. We round them up. What is pi? It runs on forever, but we round it up and make the best circle that we can. Same thing with boiling water. We round it up to the best number that we can. Simple math comes from deductive logic, but all the science that we do with our math to try to explain things is always best guesses. That's why when in this church, we read to you science science itself, what scientists themselves said. They said you cannot have any, any certainty with science. Can I hear an amen to that? I just want to show you that because some of you are new and I wonder if you believe me. Can I show that to you, that scientists say that all the time? That there's no certainty in science, that it's only a best guess? So when people say back to me, man, how do you believe in that God stuff? I don't have any faith. I only believe in science. You have faith in science every time you use it because it has no certainty. You have no certainty that the nature you're now observing will even be that way two minutes from now. How can you be certain of the conformity of nature that the laws will remain intact ten minutes from now that they are right now? How do you know you'll be the same person ten minutes from now that you are right now? You have no certainty of yourself. You have no certainty of the environment you live in. You don't even have any certainty of the past experiments you did. You could have been created ten minutes ago with the memory of ten years ago. Are you listening? You have no certainty of the past. You have no certainty of the future. You don't have any certainty of the universe. You have no certainty of yourself. And the smartest scientists know that. And that's why the Bible says the fool says in their heart there is no God. The fool of science who doesn't believe in God knows they are a walking contradiction. They live with their contradictions. But I want to make sure I show that to you so you don't just take my word for it. I want to show you that. If you don't have the, the Bible as your worldview, the foundation of your worldview, all of the ground is sinking sand. And we'll talk about other religious foundations in just a moment. But when I talk to you about this in that part of the lesson, I gave you the very scientist right here. This is what Hume said. Has anybody ever heard of David Hume or Bertrand Russell? I've taught you guys those names here. David Hume was a scientist and philosopher who believed only in science, not in God. Bertrand Russell wrote the book, Why I'm Not a Christian. This is what he said about the problem of induction. Here at the bottom, I take the words of Bertrand Russell summarizing what Hume did. Hume lived a long time ago. Russell lived only about 100 years ago. Bertrand Russell said, if Hume's problem of induction cannot be solved, there is no intellectual difference between sanity and insanity. Do you understand what I just read? 
The greatest non-Christian philosopher said, we know we can't solve Hume's problem, therefore we know there's no difference really between sanity and insanity. Let me go on again to another scientist that put it up here. As I showed you before where logic came from, it's a word study, but it's also helpful to know it's the origin of God as well. Logos makes the word logic. That's just a word study. But we know literally in the Bible, the logic of God, the logos of God made logic possible. Can I hear an amen to that? So let me go back to another scientist that showed us this that I read in this article, uh, that I read in this, um, this sermon. Science is not about, science is not about, I'm going to say it till everybody says it, science is not about certainty. So if you have somebody say back to you, oh, your pastor's a nincompoop. He thinks science is stupid. It can't be certain. It's just the best guess. Let's show them this PhD of science, philosophical science as well as scientists. They all understand it. Science is not about certainty. Science is about finding what? The most reliable way of thinking at the present level of knowledge. Listen to it here. The very expression, scientifically proven. How many have ever heard that, scientifically proven? The very expression, scientifically proven, is a contradiction in terms. There's nothing that is scientifically proven. Nothing is scientifically proven. That is Dr. Carlo Ravelli and his article that you can read right here. I'll put it up here so you can see it's also on the link. These scientists, 100%, understand the problem of science not being able to give us certainty. So why is it I bring those things up? He is a theoretical physicist and has worked in Italy and the United States. His field is theoretical physics. How many believe he's a pretty smart guy? How many believe if scientists like him tell us that there is nothing certain in science, we should probably believe them? How many think we should believe them? I'm not going to argue with them. Yeah, I agree with you. You're right. There's absolutely nothing certain in science. What else is not certain? Your experience. Your experience in the everyday world, if it is not filtered through the word of God, will be insanity. You must filter your experiences from that which your children and your wife to that which you do on your job. Why? Because if you were insane, you wouldn't know you were insane. What is the anchor of your soul that helps you know you're not insane? You might say, well, my friends help me know I'm insane. How do you not know we're all the ones that survived out of, the, out of the ones who were in an insane asylum, and then we reproduced, and now we're all the ones that are crazy? How do we not know that all the sane ones didn't die a while back, and now we're all the insane ones? We're really locked like this with our hands tied behind our backs. And another illusion, uh, an illustration, we're really all the ones right now in the insane asylum. How do you not know that we're playing make-believe? You see, you can't trust your experience. How do I know that I'm standing here? Because God said I'm standing here. You might say, well, pastor, does it say in the Bible, Joe stands on the pulpit? No, no. The Bible says where Joe came from. The Bible then says how Joe got here. The Bible then tells me what Joe is looking at while he's here. That's how I know what a tree is, and that's how I know what my life is. Once again, if I don't have that foundation, what is Joe? Where is Joe? Why is Joe here? Where did Joe come from? You see, you can't even tell me where Joe is. You pointing here, but here is nothing. We don't know anything about this place. Only God knows. I always tell the illustration simply like this. Imagine if you were on an island just to simplify the universe into a little island. Imagine if you were on the island and you were there all by yourself, but you just came to consciousness. 
like a movie. Sometimes they make movies like this. And you had no, let me get one of my uh, kids up here. Zoe, come on over here, please. Let's say I put Zoe on an island. Come on, let's give it up for Zoe as she comes. So let's say I put Zoe on an island, and Zoe begins to grow up, and let's say we could erase her memory, and she doesn't know anything about how she got on that island or nothing. Let's say the memory erasing device was so good. Let me make sure everybody can see you, buddy. Let's say the memory device was so good that she'll never be able to access the memory of this moment. Okay? You guys tracking with me? She's on the island. Robots give her food. Comes out of little containers. Boom. How will she know who her parents are? How will she know where that island is? Let's say it's impossible to escape. She must receive the information that someone else gives her. Who's the one that came from heaven to earth to give us the information? Jesus. We have no other information. And who is the one meeting with the Old Testament saints? Jesus, before he came in the flesh. So we have no information. We can't trust, because people always say the Bible's like the telephone game where somebody told somebody, somebody. No, no, no. That's why I can't trust you about what you tell me about Abraham Lincoln. I can't be certain about it. The science of historical studies is just the best guess. We don't know for sure about Abraham Lincoln. The joke could be being told on all of us right now, and a guy named Abraham Lincoln never existed. That's why we can't trust even historical analysis. Even when you look at rocks, once again, how do you know the rocks weren't made two years ago to make them look like they were 10,000 years ago, and our science equipment can't figure it out? Yeah, I mean, we could be here all day. But anyways, it's called revelation. Revelation is what opens the mind of somebody to something they would be impossible to know. The scripture teaches us God is revealing to us the whole time who we are. That's why when we're made in the dust, God has to start communicating with us to tell us we're man, where we came from, where we are, where we're going, and what the plan is. Amen? Let's give it up for little Zoe right here. Thank you. And I'll tell you what, why don't you just go sit over there? You're playing a little too much with your brother. There you go. Now look at your neighbor and say, I was just the introduction. That was just the review. Now let's go to our sermon text for today. Are you guys ready? I told you it was a grand finale. Matthew chapter 3 verse 10 says, The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the what? It will be thrown into the what? It will be thrown into the fire. Every tree that does not produce good fruit will be thrown into the fire. Do me a favor and come sit next to Anahi, please. Yes, Hannah. The Bible talks about very clearly that we will be cut down and thrown into a fire if we do not produce good fruit. Who are those that do not produce good fruit? You can read throughout the Bible. False prophets do not produce good fruits. False believers and Jesus don't produce good fruit. Bad religions produce good, uh, bad fruit. So all of these categories are mentioned right here, just in one. It's a really simple example. John the Baptist was preaching. The axe, think about it, is already at the root of what? These bad trees that do not produce good fruit. What then happens to those trees? They're thrown into the fire. So what is going to happen to those who produce bad fruit in their world, in, in, in God's world, in their life? They're going to get cut down and thrown into the fire. So I want to talk to you today about two major groups that are going to get cut down. Bad religious trees and bad lifestyle trees. If you don't like it, take it up with your life group leader or your discipler and we'll help walk you through it. What is Islam according to the Bible? Remember, the Bible is our standard. And this is why I didn't want to talk a week about Islam and then a week about Catholicism. I wanted it just to be one sermon series, so I'm going to go through it all here. What is Islam according to the Bible? 
He's a violent false prophet. He's a false prophet according to the Bible. He lived an immoral life. Why? Because he broke our com- the commandments that God gave us, and he was probably demon-possessed. I wrote a book on Islam, and you can study it. Does this mean I don't love Muslims? No, I love Muslims. I hate Islam. Muhammad has already bowed his knee to Jesus and has been given the boot into hell because he didn't repent. He was poisoned by a Jewish woman. Why he was poisoned by her is because he slaughtered her village. The truth of Islam is this. My foundation tells me who he is. He was not fighting justly. He was fighting out of violence and anger to possess things that didn't belong to him. He was not a true prophet. He broke all the rules of a prophet, if not all of them, most of them. He did not live a good life like Jesus and the prophets of the Bible. He was very immoral. One of the most popular immoralities of his life is he married a six-year-old girl and had sex with her when she turned nine. He had multiple wives that he took from other people. He commanded others to do that. And the very angel, quote unquote, he says he sees was more than likely a demon that possessed him because he was demonized throughout his entire life. Not by our, my records, but by their records, which is called the Hadith, the, the Sunnah, the traditions of the prophet. But when we encounter a Muslim, what do we simply have to do? Bring them to our gospel. Bring them to our gospel and to the acts of God's word and let it cut it down. So here's where I always start with them. I go to their surah. You can use it. The notes are here. The surahs are the chapters of their Quran. Chapter 4, verses 157 says, And for their saying, Indeed, we have killed the Messiah, Jesus, the son of Mary, the messenger of Allah. They did not kill him, nor did they crucify him, but another was made to resemble him to them. So he says, you guys believe that the Jews killed Jesus? He wasn't killed. Somebody else was made to look like him, and Jesus escaped. Probably they say Judas was made to look like him and suffer that curse, but Jesus was just taken to heaven. Because remember, Islam is a cult of Christianity. Comes 600 years later, borrows our characters, and tells false stories about them. And indeed, those who differ over it are in doubt about it. There is no Christian in doubt about Jesus dying on the cross. This demon is in doubt about it because it's the power of the cross that brings salvation. They have no knowledge of it except for the following of assumption. No, we don't. You're the one assuming 600 years later. They did not kill him for certain. The Quran literally says they did not kill him for certain. Do you want to know what atheistic, unbelieving, even liberal scholars say the one thing for certain we can know about Jesus is? The one thing Bart Ehrman, an atheist, agrees with, the Christian agrees with, the secular historian agrees with, the Roman historian agrees with, is for certain that Jesus was crucified. The very fact that Islam stakes its claim on Jesus not being crucified is redonkulous. Listen to what John Dominic Crossan said from the Jesus Seminar about the crucifixion of Jesus. That Jesus was crucified is as sure as anything historical can ever be. He's not even a Christian. So now let me ask you a question. The disciples die based on the testimony of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Write down the New Testament. Secular historians confirm it. The church continues to teach it for 600 years. Now a prophet says he hears from an angel in a cave that Jesus did not die on the cross. Who are we supposed to believe? This demonically influenced false prophet or our Bible, Jesus, the disciples, in the history of the church? What are the most significant things about Jesus? He died on the cross. 
They deny it. What's the most another significant thing about Jesus? He's the son of God. They deny it. He's just the son of Mary. Allah does not have any sons according to them, and he's not a father. The greatest relationship you can have with, with uh, Allah is with a slave to a master. Are you understanding what I'm saying? What's another significant thing about Jesus? That his death was very vicarious for us, the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, meaning it was the internal plan of God. They deny that a sacrifice can take away your sins, not only denying Jesus' sacrifice, but the entire sacrificial system for, sa for forgiveness, which Jesus said, or rather the New Testament Hebrew writer said, that you cannot receive forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So now what do you answer back? Guess what? The Bible has a perfect analogy for this. Do me a favor. Somebody sit between these two young men. They're disrespecting. Matter of fact, sir, go out to that last row or go out the door. It's my last time warning you. Help him. Usher quickly now. Thank you. Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. You've been warned. This is your second time, third time you're out. Find another church to play games at. Somebody say amen if you believe it. Galatians chapter 1, 8 through 9. He was warned privately. Now it's publicly. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Isn't that something? 60 A.D. this is written. When did Islam come around? 600 A.D. In the time of the disciples, Paul literally tells people this. If I or an angel comes to you, and tells you a different gospel. What is the heart of the gospel? For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. Islam, ding, 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 disagrees. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Ding, 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 disagrees. That he died on the cross. Ding, 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 disagrees. That he paid for our sins. Ding, 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 disagree. They disagree with every major part of our gospel. Who does he say came and visited him? The angel Gabriel. Who does our Bible say came and visited him? A demon. The Bible says demons can come as angels of light. But even if we are, you see why I take this church seriously? That's why I got a lot of young adults here. We'll get 10 more in this place if he doesn't like it. Amen? We take this church serious. We're talking about eternal lives here. The Bible says they're under God's curse. So is it that I don't love Muslims? No. What does the Bible say they're under, though? God's curse. Okay, Muhammad was under God's curse. As we have already said, Paul repeats it. So I now say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you have accepted, let them be under what? God's curse. Does anybody have any questions about Islam? Talk to your life group leaders. I don't need you as a Christian to know everything about Islam. I got the links here, though. Literally, let me just, top, let me just click on one of the links so you can see what I'm providing with you here. You can see clearly that I'm asking you to study. Don't just believe it because I told you it, guys. Let's not be simple-minded in our beliefs. The Bible clearly says we must study to show ourselves approved. So let me show you what I give you about Islam. Let me show you this link I just opened up here. See which one it is. There we go. You see this? This is from my good friend, Sam Shimon. This is answering Islam's website. And look at all the links. You can go back and study yourself personally. Let's look at it. I'm going to scroll through it. You guys seen this? Not to mention countless debates I've had with Muslims, they've had with Muslims. Look at this. I want to keep scrolling. Am I taking Islam serious or not? We take them very serious. They're the second largest religion in the world. I take it very serious, my friends. Don't just take my, that's one of my links. This is one link right here. One. I have about 50 links. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? I'm still scrolling. Y'all bored yet? <laughs> Study. When I talk to a Muslim, 
I'll say peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum. I bless them because I want them to know we love them. The Bible says bless your enemies. They're an enemy of our faith, but they can be our friends, and we can love them, and we can reach out to them and teach them the truth. But where do I want you to meet them at? I want you to meet them right at the gospel. You can talk about Aisha, his six-year-old child bride, if you want. You can get talking about uh, Sharia law if you want. Just know what you're talking about because it can get confusing because there's a lot of different branches. But I go right to the gospel. I go, let me ask you a question. What's the foundation of your worldview? Good question to ask anybody. They'll say, the Quran, okay? Do you agree with this passage in the Quran that Jesus wasn't crucified? Yep, I agree with it. My Bible says you got a false gospel. Anything else? Now, what are they going to say back to it? They're going to say, we don't believe your Bible. Paul was a false apostle. Er, you're breaking the rules. I didn't say your, false, your apostle was false just because he disagreed with mine. I didn't say that. What I said was he disagrees and claims to be speaking for him. Our guy doesn't claim to be speaking for your guy. You brought up our Jesus. You say you know our Jesus. Your Quran says he knows our Jesus. Right? Come on, are you listening? So your book has to prove it to me. My book says you're a liar. You see, it's that simple. Now, if I argue with the Hindu and they don't want anything to do with Jesus, it's a totally different religious base. Now we can go book to book evenly. Let's talk about your guys. And talking to Harry Krishnas was really fun. I used to go to their ashrams and hang out with them. And they have colorful stories of their gods doing all types of things. It's literally like watching a soap opera about all the things that they do. And they're saying, your Bible is so boring. And if you think about it, it kind of is, right? Because like we don't have all the stories of our heavenly places and all of this. They have stories about heaven. Like it's you're, you're listening to the Avengers, you know. I mean, they talk about all the things their gods do up there, okay. But this is what I said to him I said, okay, now let's go to what your God did for forgiveness of our sins and the evil of the world. And we'll get to that in a moment. But that's how I talk to Muslims. Let's go to the gospel. The gospel is the first and foremost thing. The next thing is Roman Catholicism. Everybody go, Ooh. yeah, we're going to probably offend some people. That's okay. Do we love Roman Catholics? Yeah, but we're going to demolish their worldview right in front of them. Roman Catholicism is a distinct worldview than Christianity. Why? Because it has popes, traditions, and superstitions. Do you as a Christian, listen, as a Christian, are you obligated to listen to me? No. What do you do to decide whether or not you listen to me? You go to the Word of God because what's your foundation? The Catholics teach the exact opposite. That's why they had their Bibles in Latin and their masses in Latin all throughout the Middle Ages when no one in Europe even spoke Latin anymore. They had it as a secret society for the priests. That's why you can't even take communion. They have to give it to you. So look at everything that makes Roman Catholicism what it is, and you'll find it nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible. Can you have Roman Catholicism without a pope? No. If you don't have a pope, you don't have the Roman Catholic Church, right? Show me one pope in the Bible. Don't show me Peter. Peter served with Paul, and James was in charge of the Jerusalem church, the book of Acts says. So just because I got Peter doesn't mean I got a pope. Hello, somebody. Do you have the Roman Catholic church without a priesthood of celibate priests that you confess your sins to? Show me one person that was commanded to be celibate in this Bible, and you confess your sins to them. No wonder they do all these perverted things, and then they cover it up. It's abnormal sexuality. It's not releasing for men to be like men. Some men may be single. That's okay. But not every man or a great majority of men called to be single. And then how about this? What about praying to the saints? Can you have the Roman Catholic Church without praying to saints? No. I mean, you take the saints out there, what else you got? 
You've got nothing inside of there, right? So you, so you have the very tenets of the Roman Catholic Church. A pope, the priesthood, these saints. That's the whole thing built on there. Can you find saints being prayed to in the Bible? Can you find it one time, yes or no? No. Here's out of their own words. The Council of Trent was when they fought against us when we were protesting. I could keep you here all day of the wicked things that they'd done. The popes who acted like pimps, had sex, had mistresses, started and created wars, burned heretics at the stakes. That's true, my friends. They burned our heroes, our guys who wanted to take the Bible out of Latin and just translate it to the Germanic languages of that time were burned at stakes. Their only crime, translating the Bible in the common tongue. So around the 1500s, they came up with the council to go against the Protestants. They were very clear on what they disagreed with, with what we were fighting against. A protestant means you protest them. Do we love Catholics, yes or no? Do we love the Pope? Yes, but we disagree with his office. Humble yourself, sir, and sit right here and learn something. Amen? Listen to what they said. This is from their own writings. Remember, I don't have to put words in their mouth. For even as no pious person ought to doubt the mercy of God or the merit of Christ or of the virtue and efficacy of the sacraments, even so each one when regards himself and his own weaknesses and indisposition may have fear and apprehension touching his own grace. Now look at this. Seeing that no one can know with the certainty of faith, which cannot be subject to error, that he has obtained the grace of God. What did I just read? It says you can think about God and all these good things he does for you because that's what the reformers were saying who were protesting them. They were sure of their salvation. But look what the Catholic teaches you. But you better have fear and apprehension touching you have that grace because you can have no one, no one can have certainty of faith that can't be subject to error that you got the grace of God. So when you talk to a Catholic, all you got to do is ask them this one question. Are you sure if you died right now, you would go to heaven? According to their beliefs, they cannot know. What do you think purgatory is? It's a place for you to get tortured because you weren't good enough for you to go to heaven. Most Catholics do not have any assurance of salvation because they're following this teaching. Now remember, can a Catholic be a Catholic and not follow this teaching? Yes. Just like I can call myself a millionaire and only have $10, you can call yourself something and do another thing, okay? So Catholics can have some true teachings, but if you're talking about the Catholic Church, a true Catholic, according to their counsels, must say, I am not certain of my faith. Do you understand what they must say? No one can know with a certainty of faith. Now, how many here are certain if you were to die, you were to go to heaven? Amen. Amen. Why are you certain? Because the Bible says you can be certain. Now, let's understand why they say you can't be certain. That's chapter 9 of the Council of Trent. In the next chapter, chapter 10, they explain to you why you cannot be certain. It says, do you see that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So now how are you not certain? Because you don't know if you've been good enough. So what do most Catholic people say? Are you sure if you were to die today, you were to go to heaven? What do they say? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. They think they're going to get to heaven, and then their good works are going to be judged to their bad works. And if they have enough good works, they'll get to heaven. If they were christened as a child, if they went through the sacraments, if they were a good Catholic, the hope is they won't go to purgatory. They'll go to heaven. You know what purgatory was done for during this time? It was done for them to raise money. The Catholic Church would say when the gold hits the, hits the copper cling, a soul from purgatory springs. When you hear it cling in, that, in, in, that, in that, that cup that they would raise their offerings with, the soul from purgatory springs. That's what they were teaching at this time. 
Are you guys listening? Now, what does the Bible say? The exact opposite. The exact opposite. So what do we want Roman Catholics to do? Repent and become Christians. Listen to what Romans chapter 4 verse 1 says. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Everybody say, what does Scripture say? Come on, say it like you mean it. What does Scripture say? See, I don't care what the Pope says. I don't care what the council says. I want to know what Scripture says. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. When did Abraham know he was righteous? When he did good works? No, when he believed. Now watch, in case it's not clear to you. Now it will be even more clear. Now to him who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, does not what? Does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith. Their what? Their faith is credited as righteousness. What does the Roman Catholic Church teach? You have no assurance of your grace. You have no assurance of your faith. Why? Because you are justified by your works plus your faith. What does the book of Romans teach? Abraham was justified by faith alone, zero works. Not one work. The only thing that justified him was not work, but trusting God. What justified Abraham? Trusting God. Amen? Any questions about Roman Catholicism? See, think about it. The gospel teaches salvation by faith. Hinduism and Buddhism. I wish I had more time to go into these things. I have a lot of links here for you. They're very intertwined because Buddhism came from Hinduism. I have a lot of neighbors that are in these beliefs that came from their countries of India and different places. I've been to India and Nepal. Here is the bottom line when you learn about Hinduism and Buddhism. The basic belief system is that there's no one religion that is right and that always lead to God. That's the one thing that they'll all have in common. They'll say our way is the best way. They'll say our way is a better way, but they'll never put down another way. But that all genuine paths are facets of God's light deserving tolerance and understanding. This is what Oprah Winfrey believes. This is what Brad Pitt believes. Most of your neighbors believe this, and it has zero to do with Christianity. Think about that. We are living in a world right now that is celebrating Christmas and does not believe Christ is the only way. Now, do you think that this is nice? Like this is better than Jesus' way? That somehow this is the way you wished it would be? If you do believe that, that is godless. You are actually, think about it, you actually are having a pretension. You are pretentious against God. God said through Jesus the Son, John 14, 26, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And you're saying back to Jesus, I don't like that. Don't get distracted by me pushing that link wrong. Are you guys listening to me? Do you agree with Jesus, yes or no? He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you wish that was different? Like, do you wish you could have a little Buddha with your Jesus? 
Buddha came 600 years before Jesus. He knew about them. They were popular figures. Hindu religions were just, uh, Hindu gods were just like the Greek gods. They knew about them. Jesus went out of his way to call them thieves and robbers. He said, anybody that has ever come to you a different way is a thief and a robber. Israel was very clearly commanded during the same time. The, the, uh, um, the Sumerian people, Sumerian rather, Sumerian comes from Samaria, the Sumerian people, as well as the Hindu people, are the Indias people, are the oldest living civilizations on the planet. Are you listening? Sumeria and Indus people. From India and from the Middle East, Sumeria, they say Sumeria is the oldest. That goes along with our Bible, God starting there in the Middle East. That's another discussion. But listen. They have the oldest culture that we can really put down on paper and show. Their language, Hindi, is the oldest language. Uh, these things that they've been doing. Jesus knew all about them. The Israelites knew all about them. God told the Israelites every one of their gods are false gods and they're demons. That's what he said to them. Do you understand that? Y'all looking at me like y'all don't understand that. I want to just show you in the Bible because y'all looking at me and maybe you're just tired. But I want to make sure that you guys understand that the Bible is not here to, uh, to play with us, to give us multiple options. You know, you get to make your own choice. That is true. You and I get to make our own choice. But I want us to understand that it's God's way or there is no other way. Can I hear an amen? amen. There is no other way. Now listen. Deuteronomy chapter 3, this is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on the Israelites. He said, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned over them from Sire. This is the Lord, not any false God, not another God from a different nation. This is their God. He came with myriads of his holy ones from the south, from the mountain slopes. Surely it is you who love the people. All the holy ones are in your hand. At your feet, they all bow down. Every angel bows down to Jesus and receives instruction from you. And the law that Moses gave us, the possession of the assembly of Jacob, he was king over Jerusalem when the leaders of the people assembled along with the tribes of Israel. Let Reuben, excuse me, let Reuben live and not die, nor his people be few. And he continues to bless the people. But do you understand who the God of Israel is? Can I hear an amen? Okay, now keep going, keep going. I'm going to go all the way down. He's blessing all of these tribes now. He's being very clear with them. Now let me go to, uh, excuse me, it was Exodus 33 as well. Let's go to Exodus chapter 33. No, 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 no. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 is the other passage I want to show you. Sorry, going off the notes here a little bit. How many like a little extra? Thank you. Deuteronomy chapter 20, look at what God said to them very clearly. If you fully obey the Lord your God and faithfully, carefully follow all of his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations and all the earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you. How many of the commands did he ask them to follow? All of them. Did he say be careful or did he say just do whatever you want? No, he said be careful. Can I hear an amen to that? So when God gave us the Ten Commandments, I mean, I don't think I need to show you that, do I? You know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Do I need to do that? Because, I mean, we'll go through the Ten Commandments. But, I mean, he was pretty serious about that. He told them right from the beginning, I met with Moses when we read that in Deuteronomy 33. He says, uh, I met with Moses. I gave him these things, and these are the laws you abide by. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he is very clear. He says, you must obey all of these laws, and you'll be blessed. And let's just go to it, because I, I just want to be very clear, because I think sometimes people think I'm making stuff up. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let's say starting around verse 20. Um, it's not 28. Let's go to 
Here we go. Let's go right up here. Verse 15. Read verse 15 out loud with me, please. One, two, three. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come on you and overtake you. Any questions about the gods of the nations? Amen. Christian cults. How many have seen Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons? Let's just go to their writings real quick. We've already dealt with it with Roman Catholicism. Let me just say this. I think it's funny that Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons started around the same time but did the exact same things, attacked Christianity in the same ways, and have the same exact problems the Roman Catholics do, yet they think they're better than the Roman Catholics. Most of the time, when they talk about us as Christians, they attack the Roman Catholic Church, both of these organizations. But they themselves are exactly like the Roman Catholic Church. Let's compare them. Roman Catholic Church has a superiority in their organization of people. Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons both do that. The Roman Catholic Church cannot teach anything except through the Vatican, and they follow the liturgy every single week. Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons follow their liturgy every single week. There is no free thought in their organization. Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons change the Bible to say what they want it to say. That's exactly what the Catholics do by contradicting clear scripture. So when they think that they're better than the Roman Catholic Church, they're actually just the same. So in other words, the Roman Catholic Church is your first Christian cult, and Jehovah Witnesses are just relaunches of modern-day cults. Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons would rather change the Bible than to change their beliefs. The Jehovah Witness uh, translation of their Bible is a false translation. They'll give you none of their scholars who translate it because they're all bogus. Joseph Smith literally changed the Bible and to have his own translation that now modern Mormons reject because it was that redonkulous. If you wanted to go deeper with Mormons, ask them, do you still accept Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible? Let's go to some verses and I can show you in the script and uh, the links I got you here. He is ridiculous in his translation. But why did he do that? Because he knew the Bible disagreed with him. So a Jehovah Witness website, not my words, their main website, just to show you so you guys can take my word at it. One, I want there to be a lot of clarity here today. We're not in a hurry, okay? So be patient. Got a lot of links here to show you. I want to show you what the Jehovah Witnesses, this is their fault. This is their, their fault, yes, but it's their page. Everybody see it? Everybody see right here? What's the website? J.W. Dower. This is what they believe, right? Everybody see this is what they believe? Don't take my word for it. Go back and study for yourself. This is on that website. This is how they believe a person is saved. To benefit from that sacrifice, people must not only exercise faith in Jesus, but also change their course of life and get baptized. Is that how the Bible says you're saved? is you believe in Jesus and change your life, those two things. But isn't that just like what the Roman Catholics teach? That's exactly what they teach. What did the Mormons teach? This is out of the Book of Mormon, that fake book that uh, Joseph Smith wrote. It's nothing more than a fairy tale. Second Nephi 25 verse 23 says, For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children, and also our brethren to believe in Christ. So believing in Christ is there, right? Now watch. See, the devil always puts a little truth with his lie. And to be reconciled to God, for we know that it is by grace that we are saved, comma, after all we can do. Is that what the Bible says? Literally, they err this same exact way. Christianity, everybody understand this. Biblical Christianity is the only religion, if you want to call it that, that is faith-based only. None of them are. None of them are. Every breakaway from Christianity 
has always resulted in breaking the covenant God made with Abraham via faith. The Bible went so far in Galatians to say they wanted to do one law to try to justify themselves, one extra law, which wasn't commanded for them in the New Testament, to be circumcised, which was an Old Testament law. But remember, they were still saved by faith. It was just a command they had to follow. Paul gets so upset with them. He says, you foolish Galatians. What's another word for foolish, people? Just stupid. Why are we calling people stupid? Are we calling people stupid because, like, we like to call names? You know, I tell my children not to call names. Am I trying to do that? No, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be dumb. I'm literally trying to tell you, you are unintelligent. You are foolish if you believe this. You unintelligent Galatians, who has bewitched you? So do you understand that changing Anything about salvation, especially the faith, puts you under the spell of witchcraft. Y'all thinking voodoo is just witchcraft. The devil is behind the voodoo. So what's worth, the voodoo or the devil? The devil, right? So what's a trick that the devil does to put people under his spell? Trying to get you to work out your own salvation in the sense of I'm going to earn it. When the Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, it's literally talking about you've received it, now work from it with fear and trembling. You're not still trying to earn it. It's because you now have it. Take it serious. Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly uh, portrayed as crucified. That's the Greek underneath it. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? You know you're saved. See, they have it, both of them, right here, don't they? We got this. And, and Roman Catholics, every single one of these false beliefs have the truth right in there, don't they? Look at it. Look at it right here. We ought not to doubt. What does it say? We ought not to doubt the mercy and the merit of Christ. We shouldn't doubt that God loves us, right? But what we should doubt what we should doubt is our faith. Isn't that what it says? So we know God loves us, but we should doubt our faith. And so how do we know that we can do better to get to heaven? we got to work harder. So it says God's grace is there, but if you really want to get rid of your doubts, keep working, and then maybe you'll feel more better about yourself. What is the same thing that, that uh, the Christian cults say? Yeah, you got the sacrifice. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for your sin, but you also got to change yourself and be baptized. Yeah, you got to do that. Same thing with the Mormons. Oh, yeah, we believe it's by grace you've been saved, but it's only after you've done everything. So you do 90%, God will do the last 10. Is that what the scriptures teach? It could not teach the more opposite thing, could it? Look at what it says. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through what? Faith. This is not from yourselves. It is what? The gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The very opposite of what they teach. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can I get Adam to come? I want to go through these last three in closing quickly. I want to go through now the three lifestyle choices that people have as a worldview, and it affects every single part of your life if you believe these things. People who believe in abortion are not just affected if they have an abortion. They have an ungodly, unbiblical worldview. How many agree with me on that? How many agree if you think it's okay to kill a child in the womb, that's not your only problem. You've got a lot of problems. Now listen to me. If you're here, you can be forgiven just like others have been forgiven, but you have to confess the sin of murder. How many believe that? It's the sin of murder. Okay? 
But now watch. In our culture today, they're not only proud of their abortion and getting them, but they now want to shout out their abortion. The website that I have right here is Shout Out Your Abortion. What's the title of her article she writes here on Shout Out Your Abortion? Yeah. I'm not ashamed and I'm not sorry. And here's her jumping for joy. Here's her jumping for joy. Now let's go to this part that she writes here about her abortion. I want you to see this, the sickening nature of our culture. I'm lagging just a little bit. Just back there, brother, if you just uh, will be patient with me, make sure we're not touching anything else. It says, I had my abortion on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, excuse me, on a sunny Saturday afternoon. The white-haired midwife who prepped me was so kind and gentle. The doctor was efficient and professional. They gave me nitrous oxide, and I floated in a haze above my body for a few minutes as I felt the fetus leave my uterus in a violent, painful cramp. I went home and slept for hours, waking to find that the nausea was gone. My body, my own again. The next day, I went blueberry picking with my friend, feeling healthier and happier than I had in weeks. This is her. I, I can't even make this up. She didn't have a second abortion. Read it. Just like I gave you suicide notes in here to read, read this. She thinks that there is not a penalty for this. She lives in a world, in her world, think about this, in her world, the world she lives in, her truth She can do this and go pick blueberries the next day. Do you know that abortion mutilates not a fetus, but a person? Do you know that within a few weeks, the body starts to form? Within eight to ten weeks, the fingers, the fingernails, the eyes, the organs, the legs... When my wife and I have our children and they're, you know, we're pregnant, she's pregnant, I can't even look at these pictures. So if you've got to turn away, that's okay. But I'm going to now show you the stages of pregnancy. And I want you to listen to me. Because some of y'all, you get you get mad at me, you know, because I voted for Trump, right? You get all mad at me. You say, man, how in the world could you vote for that dude, right? He's a pervert. He's a racist. Let me ask you a question. I understand he might be all that, right? I understand. He could be. That could be very true. He hates immigrants, right? Let's, just, let's say that everything you're saying about him is true. What I want to do is ask you a question as I'm putting this picture up here. What would you do if I told you there was a person running for president that wanted to do this right here to 3,500 immigrants every single day? Now listen, I don't have a problem with you preferring an immigration policy that's different than my 
party's immigration policy. Those are the things I love to debate and discuss. I love immigration. As a matter of fact, I may be different than most Republicans or whatever. But how are you going to tell me you couldn't vote for Trump based on your problem with the way he treated women, but you wanted to vote for a narcissistic psychopath who not only wanted to say we could kill children in the first two trimesters, but wanted to vote for somebody that her husband, Bill Clinton, and herself wanted full partial birth abortion to be able to slaughter a baby at 40 weeks, 36 weeks, and sell it for body parts. So listen, we're going to have a conversation about politics. Let's talk about it. I'm angry about immigration too. And all y'all Black Lives Matter hypocrites, let me talk to y'all. Do you know that in some parts of America like Harlem and Chicago, there's more black babies aborted than are being born? Why is it my man? Why is it my man right here? Black genocide. Why is it he goes to the NCAACP, whatever that conference is called, my brother right here leading the charge, the black genocide, comes out here and does his protests and tells all the flip facts about how they treated Jews here, black people here, and now we kill killing black people in abortion clinics, and the black people won't even let him come in and talk. So you talk to me about immigration. Good, let's talk about it. But let's agree with the first thing, that this is a genocide. And then people want to talk to me about the women's march. Oh, we want to do the women's march. Oh, we for equal rights in the women's march. Great. Great. You want to talk to me about the women's march. Great. That's great. You, you want equal pay. I got, what, four daughters. Yeah, I want them all to have equal pay. Right, but let's go right here. You want to know what they believe? You want to know your principles of this women's march? Linda Sassor leading it as a Muslim. Watch right here. This is what they believe. Marching in Chicago, bunch of fools, bunch of idiots. We believe in re reproductive freedom. This is what they're saying when they say reproductive freedom. I want y'all to get this. This is what they want freedom for. It ain't your body. What don't you understand about that? You want reproductive freedom. Cut off your own arm then. Cut off your own arm and head. The Bible says it would be better for you. Jesus said this, not Joe. Jesus said this. It would be better for you to take a millstone, hang it around your neck, than hurt one of these children. The Bible literally says it would be better for you to commit suicide now and go to hell than to kill these children or to teach these children something false. We believe in reproductive freedom. We do not accept any federal, state, or local rollbacks, cuts, or restrictions on our ability to access quality reproductive health care services, birth control, HIV, AIDS care, prevention, or medically accurate sexuality education. This means if you don't understand, if you are an ignoramus, they are clear to you. This means open access to safe, legal, affordable abortion. How y'all walking in this? 
How you all voted for people like this? You want to know why the church is weak? We don't even know what we believe. So you ask me a question, how do I vote for Trump? I'm voting for the lesser of two evils. I either approve 60 million children, that's how many have died in abortion clinics, or I say at least the dude doesn't want to do it. And all those Kavanaugh hearings, you know why they hated him? Look it up. I can tell, y'all look at me like I don't even know. Watch, I'll show you right here. Right here, right here. What's at stake in Supreme Court nominees? I'll show you what they put up. They put it up. Not even me. Not even me. Y'all listening? Not even me. This is you. Look at right here. I want to make sure. Let's go right here. Let's go right here. What website? I want to make sure I get the most liberal one I can. Okay, here you go. I could throw this mic. I'm so mad at the devil. <sighs> Y'all ain't even ready. In double ACP. Who is that? Who's in double ACP? Yeah, black lives people, right? African-American people, right? The same one they wouldn't let the black genocide come in. You all listening? They made this post. You listen. Are you all listening to me? What's at stake? Voting rights, women rights. What do you think they mean right here when they say women rights? Did, did not the women's march teach you what they mean? Do I need to prove it more? Because I'll put up a video right now. I'll put up videos that they were playing for me on my TV telling me, women, you can lose, you can lose your ability to have an abortion. You can lose it by that. That's why they fought him so much. I wish I had time to play some of these videos for you because y'all just ain't woke. You think you woke. You ain't woke. You're buying into exactly, exactly what MTV wants you to know. Here we go. Come on. You're buying into exactly what MTV wants you to know. I want to make sure you know what do they say. Now this, all these ones. Yeah, this is a now this one. Here we go. This is it. There we go. This is the one I want. This is exactly the one I want. Let's get some sound on this, please. Put up the sound so we can hear this, please. You all see these posts, right? These are the ones always making fun of the president, calling conservatives idiots. You know, that's okay. We got to be opinionated. I love freedom of speech. But let's see what they got to say. Let's listen here. Any issue you care about in the comments, and I promise you there is a legal case that relates to that. There are nine Supreme Court justices, and for a long time we've had four generally liberal-leaning justices and four generally conservative-leaning justices, and one who's basically a swinger. Yeah, baby! <laughs> That's how the same Supreme Court that gave us Citizens United also gave us marriage equality. The same Supreme Court that upheld Obamacare also struck down much of the Voting Rights Act. All of these in 5-4 decisions. In fact, almost every major Supreme Court decision in recent years has been 5-4. Now, when Senate Republicans, in an unprecedented move, blocked President Obama from completing his constitutional duty of appointing a Supreme Court justice, 
This didn't change the balance of power, because it meant a conservative getting replaced by another conservative. But with the retired Justice Kennedy, everything changes, because now we've lost our swinger. We will probably see a lot more conservative rulings for the next several decades. Many of the cases that could have gone flip of the coin, 5-4 decision one way or the other, are just going to start going the other. Now, the Supreme Court can't just announce a ruling. Somebody has to bring an actual case before them. So everything won't necessarily change overnight. But when the changes come, they can be big, sudden, and sweeping, like segregation suddenly becoming illegal, or marriage equality suddenly becoming the law of the land. Now, this is bad news for women's health rights. President Trump has promised to appoint justices who would overturn Roe v. Wade. And if the Supreme Court did overturn Roe v. Wade, there are four... Did you just hear that? That's what they were mad about. See, y'all young people here don't want to get woke. You want to stay asleep. You can go back to playing the nice music. Thank you. Come on, man. Y'all in church today. I care about that. Now, let's just, let's just talk for a minute. Let's talk. Do we all have to be Republican? Nah. Do you got to all be libertarian? Nah. You, you could vote for Elvis Presley if you want. I think you should still vote. But how in God's green earth, as you as Christians, can you tell me this is not a political issue you got to vote on? They are, uh, they are using you. All my Latino gente here, they are using you. You need to get hip with the Latinos who are conservative, who are exposing them. They, they use you with immigration, sending all them people to the borders to get your heart to bleed so you go vote Democratic. They know what they are doing. You know why? Because they hate your Latino values. Most Latinos, just like us, either we, we got to give credit to the Roman Catholic where credit's due. They still have the same book of morals as us. So they still agree that these things are sin. So they want Latinos. They don't want you voting for the marriage of the Bible. They want you to keep supporting that LGBT so you can get your green card. Come on, Latino, give us, give us your vote. We give you a green card. And then what else do they want? Come on, let us keep killing babies so you can get yourself a job. My friend, listen to me. I would rather you go back to your country under an unfair, and I'll agree with you, an unfair immigration policy, and you be a Christian there with a clear conscience than for you to be in this country voting for nonsense like that. Come on. Come on, somebody. Can I go a few more? The LGBTQ. Don't got a lot to say about it because it's obvious, but they're trying to use you. This generation, if you're under 30 years old, stand up for me, please. I want to know who I'm talking to if you're under 30 years old. Come on. See, they're trying to use you. Bernie Sanders is trying to use you. People in this world are trying to use you. You may be seated. What they want you to do is to give up your values. They want to attack you. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time Jimmy Kimmel said something nice about you on the talk show? When was the last time? Let, uh, Alex, stand up for me, please. I want Alex to stand up. We've already gone over time, so it's okay. Amen? When was the last time you saw a TV show where the Christian looked like this man right here. I'm going to put him up right here. Superstore show manager. Look at this. They make this goofy, closeted, homosexual, effeminate man 
to be the representative of a Christian on this show. Let's put him here. Listen to him talk. Put it, put it up so we can hear it, please. Strong and benches stand up to a vigorous use. Click on our profile for a link to our videos. Well, no need. This is the Christian. Now you tell me, does that look anything like him? All the men of God, please stand up in here. All the men of God. Come on. Come on. Come on. Do any of y'all look like this? Now listen. Can this man get saved? Absolutely he can get saved. But you asked me a question. Why is it on Parks and Rec? And I do watch TV, by the way. Why is it on Parks and Rec, Superstore, and some other shows that I can't think of? The Christian is always some effeminate. And I don't mean effeminate like a bad word. Like It's not a bad word. It's a real word. I'm not saying I like the word fag. I don't use that word. I don't think that's, I think it's a derogatory word, okay? But a word effeminate means feminine in nature, right? Why is it they make shows like this but they don't have a man like Alex who drives trucks? Why don't they have a man like me? Why do they always have some backwards country dude or something? Why don't they have city folk, urban folk, strong, educated men on their shows? You know why? Because they are messing with your head. Hollywood wants to project on you who they are. What I want to do is I want to talk to this writer. I want to see the writer. I want to call up five men to go meet the five writers of this show. And I guarantee you, all five of the men I'll bring, they're going to be more masculine than the, the, the sissy man you see right here. Because God told us to be men of God. Amen. We love the women of God, but we appreciate the differences of gender. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus, for the men of God. You may be seated. Thank you for hanging with me, church. So this is what they write here. This is a church in Chicago. You can go to their website, Urban Village. Got it right there. So if you don't like this kind of preaching, there's a church you can go to hell with believing what they believe. And I pray for their salvation as well. We are a reconciling congregation, celebrating the gifts of diverse Christians, lesbians, gay, same gender, loving, straight, bisexual, transgender, queer, and every part of our life together, including lay staff and pastoral leadership. They might as well have just said in there, we include thieves, robbers, liars, idolaters, adulterers. Do you understand? Is it, is it not unclear in the Bible? Find me. Find me. I'll give you a $25 finder fee. Find me any pastor in this city or country that will debate me on this. I'll debate them right now. I'll give you a $25 finder fee and I'll give them $100. All I ask is that they're a pastor and they believe this. They won't even debate us. And by the way, do you want to know why the Roman Catholics won't debate us? The Mormons won't debate us? The, the, the Jehovah Witnesses, they're like little cockroaches. You ever see them? They're walking. You come to them with your Bible, they start running. They can't take it. You know why? They want to find the simple-minded. Go get me a Mormon, a Jehovah Witness, a Roman Catholic, or a Muslim, or a gay-affirming priest, a, a, a pastor up here, and I'll pay them to come up here. Why? Because we're not afraid. The Bible says the wicked flee when no one is following, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. We love this community. We have people in our church that come from this community. Why? Because look what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 9 through 11, or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Bible said it, wrongdoers, do not be deceived. Now it's going to tell you what wrongdoers are, and you shouldn't be deceived over it. Sexually immoral people are wrongdoers. That means you're just as bad if you're looking at pornography nor idolaters, 
nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. And I will debate right here. I'll debate this subject right here because they want to argue over this Greek word and what it means. I'll debate them all day long on this phrase right here. I got another debating partner that is waiting, drooling for this to demolish their worldview for more people to see. We just did it again. Two of our brothers debated two of theirs. It was a bloodbath when it came to their de demolishment. It was, they were wiped out. And I hate to use warfare language because then people accuse me of wanting to kill them, which is once again ignoramuses. I'm saying the worldview was crushed. So th this is my thing, young people. You either believe the Bible is telling you this or you just throw it away and get ready to meet God on Judgment Day because you can't have both. Neither men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards. Well, our church accepts thieves and greedy and drunkards and slanders and swindlers. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanders, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Will they inherit the kingdom of God, people? No, but what's the good news? And that is what some of you were. I want you to stand up if you were some of these people. Stand up if you used to be sexually immoral, please. Stand up, please, if you used to worship an idol. Stand up if you were an adulterer. Stand up if you had sex with the same sex. Stand up if you ever taken something that didn't belong to you. Stand up if you were ever greedy. Stand up if you were ever a drunkard. Stand up if you ever took something that didn't belong to you. Stand up if you talked about somebody the wrong way. Amen. And then now stand up if you didn't stand up before because you're lying. Amen. You know you lied. I never been sexually immoral. Let me check your thoughts then over the last 10 years of your life. The Bible says the sin in your mind is the same of the sin of committing it, isn't it? He said to lust after that person is the same thing. So you all ain't never lusted. Come on. You ain't never slandered. Every one of my kids should be standing up. You know you've slandered your brothers and sisters. Come on, you ain't never been greedy before. You've been tithing this whole time. Come on. Never been drunk before, never taken something that didn't belong to you. How about your boss? Did you take a day off when it didn't belong to you and you called in sick and you weren't? <clears throat> Excuse me. Come on. You see, I do agree that a lot of times all they hear, we're going to keep standing, please. Sometimes all they hear is that we just talk about homosexuality, but that's not true. We'll talk about it all. And the last thing is racism. I don't have time to do it all like I did before. But I did a whole message on it. You can click on it right here when it talks about evolution and so forth. If evolution is true, you understand there are different races. Are there different kinds of dogs? Are there better dogs and lesser dogs? Right? Oh, come on now. You all think they're better or less? They're just all created equal. Okay, let me ask you a question. You're about ready to go out hunting. Do you want a chihuahua or do you want a rottweiler? You're going to go hunting and remember... And your life depends on this, right? Well, what, what do racists do? What do racists do? What does old Bubba do? Give me that Negro. I'll take that one. That one's a big one. That one will work in my fields. Well, we, we know that's sin, right? We know it's sin. But what makes it even worse is when you believe the thought that makes it right. You see... You say you reject racism, but you believe in evolution. Prove it wrong by evolution then. Prove it wrong. Prove eugenics wrong by evolution. What is the belief of eugenics? Planned Parenthood founder did it. Sanger, Margaret Sanger believed in it. What is eugenics? Only the fittest should mate, therefore the fittest will survive. Where did abortion come from? Getting rid of the poor people and minority people's children. 
They sterilized them. That's how Planned Parenthood started, was by sterilizing the white poor and the minorities. Study that history. So if you're sick, you have cancer. We have people here that have cancer. You can't have children. Prove it wrong by evolution. Tell me I'm wrong to do that by evolution. Tell me Hitler was wrong if this is not your worldview. Tell me it's wrong. Give me one reason why Hitler was wrong building a superior race, the Aryan race. Tell me why. Well, scientifically, uh, you know, the Aryan race is not as smart as the, as the other race. Do you know that they've done now? The guy who d- discovered the genome who helped develop human genes, do you know that he now did studies between Africans and Europeans and has found out that Europeans on whole have higher, G, uh, have higher uh, intelligent tests? Did you know that? The unwelcome revival of race science. What, what, what little pathetic uh, magazine did this come from? Oh, The Guardian, okay. Well, let, let's just see. Maybe it's not so pathetic. Let, let's, let's see here. Race science. Well, what stupid scientist has now said this? Let's see. Let's see here. What, what scientist is now promoting this? Let's get to one of these science, right, guys, that wrote this. What's right here? You know, you talk about the alt-right. I totally believe in the alt-right. They're going to hell too, right? Come on, somebody. Watch this. I'm going to show you the scientist that did it. I want to get to it here. Here we go. No, no, no. I want to get to the actual guy here. Yeah, Murray might have been him. See, no to eugenics. Try to prove eugenics wrong without believing in God. Here we go. No, 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 no. I'm not in a hurry. I want you guys to see this. Evolutionary psychologists, evolutionary doctors... I want this guy that they're so ashamed of right now. They're so upset with him because he's actually doing the tests. And he says, y'all are hypocrites. You believe in evolution. We should be doing these tests. If I can't find it, it's okay. God knows. You can find it. I wish I had that link ready, though. Here it is. Let me go down here. I did a whole sermon series on this. I want you guys to see it because I don't want anybody saying I didn't give you the right truth here. Here we go. This is the guy. I'm coming up to it right here. Yep. Charles Darwin taught it. Did you know Charles Darwin taught it? Look what Charles Darwin said. Charles Darwin said the civilized races of men will almost certainly exterminate and replace the savage races through the world. He said this right here. He said, for it will intervene, for it will intervene between man and a more civilized state, as we may hope. This was his hope. Even then the Caucasian and some ape as low as a baboon, instead of as now between the Negro or Australian and the gorilla. They thought the Negro and the Australian were closer to the gorilla. Why did they think that the Negro and the Australian, here's the guy I'm going to get to, the, the, the co-discoverer of the DNA helix, Watson. His name wasn't in that article, so good thing I went here. 
Why did they believe that? Why did they have human zoos and all of that? Let me show you a picture of what racists do. Let me just show, because y'all don't, how many don't like race, racism? I mean, y'all don't like racism, right? But how many of y'all hate evolution? You should hate it for the same exact reason. Hitler, Stalin, all of them were evolutionists that believed that. That's why they did what they did. And I want to show you the comparative pictures that racists put up based on evolutionary theology, evolutionary worldview. And I'm going to find it and then go to this next thing right here. So don't be in a hurry with me right here. Let's go right here to Africa. Human zoos. Do you know they used to have human zoos in America based on evolution? Do you know that? They used to put the aborigines in zoos. They killed the aborigines and put them into uh, the Smithsonian Institute. Let's go right here. Let's go to these human zoos. I want you guys to see some of this here. Look at human zoos. They would put these people in these zoos. They would take the tribes, and then they would put them in a zoo for everybody to see. And I really want you guys to see this next picture as well. Because I, want, I, don't, I don't want anybody to say that I made it up. And I know you're like, Pastor, just get done with it because you didn't make it up. But I would rather take my time. I want this picture. I have this picture in here where this racist took the evolutionary chart and put a black person right next to it. And then I want you to tell me the difference. devil is a liar. I want these pictures so bad for you. Do you know that they believe you can uh, kill babies outside of the womb right now too based on evolution? Because a person is not a person until they know themselves. Did you guys know that? That's the next thing that they want to start promoting. I have that link there for you. Would you guys be seated for a second please? I don't want you guys to keep standing up and I don't want to feel like I'm in a hurry. Thank you for your patience. I'm not done. If I'm going to make this my last one, I'm getting it all out. Amen? I'm getting it all out. Make sure we edit this on the video because this is a lot of me scrolling right here. I'm going to put it out here for everybody to see. Church starts when you get here, ends when you leave. Amen? I'm looking for a very, I got my other link I came here for, but now I want to show you one specific link. I'm just going to Google it. Give me a second. It's called scientific racism. They compared the black people. You see it up here? They compare the black person to the, the monkey. Do you see that? You guys see that little picture right there? See, the European don't have it like the monkey. That's how they teach it. Now I'm going to show you a modern one. I'm going to show you a modern one with a famous actor. 
Actually, I got to Google it like that. There we go. There we go. Y'all ready for this? Okay. This is what I wanted to show you. How many of y'all hate racism? But do you hate evolution? Okay. Because if you don't and you're an evolutionist, prove that wrong. Don't they show you in evolution how you're, you're closer to the monkey than the dog because the monkey walks like this, right? And then they show you a picture of how you walk when you're a baby, right? And then they show you with five fingers, and then they show a dog with a paw, and they say, well, the five fingers is more, and then they show you next to a monkey, right? Are you all listening to me? I'm going to preach again. You all ain't tired, are you? So now, so now if they go, look at the nose, look at the chin, look at the lips, look at the color, how are you going to prove them wrong? If we came, come on, people, if we came from monkeys, how are you going to get upset when racists start taking evolution and saying, oh, I see people who look just like monkeys? Hmm? How are you going to prove them wrong? You see, people try to say, oh, I don't like racism. But then when they do, see, we know this is all right, racism, politics, right? I agree, 100% going to hell. You do it. Slave owners go to hell. But how are we going to say they're wrong if you believe in evolution? Because isn't one race more evolved than the other race? So what did this guy do? Now let me get to the point where I'm going to show you. This ain't just alt-right silly people. This guy right here, James D. Watson, I have the link, 79 years old. He's the co-discoverer of the DNA helix. Talk about a smart guy. And the winner of the 1962 Nobel Peace Prize. So this is not just some pastor being crazy, you know, conspiratorial. He's won the Nobel Peace Prize. This is what he says. He told the London Times this. He's not even ashamed of this. He told the London Times it's inherently gloomy. It's sad, I know. It's not what we want to hear, but it's true. Watch. Inherently gloomy about the prospect of Africa because all our social policies are based on the fact that their intelligence is the same as ours, whereas all the testing says they're not really. Argue with him. He discovered the DNA helix. And you believe in evolution. Let's say you're a person like that. Well, how are you going to argue with him? I know more science than you. Oh, I know science. Let me. He's going to be like, dude, you're dumb. I did the studies. There's a difference in their intelligence. They look more like the apes from which they, we all came from. Look at one guy wrote. He goes, we remain the same species, just as a poodle and a bagel are the same species, Sullivan wrote in 2013, but poodles in general are smarter than beagles, and beagles have a much better sense of smell. You see, what did they teach you in school? They taught you in school this chart right here, and we're going to end on this, praise God, trust me, it will end at some point. It will end. Pastor has to stop talking at some point, right? 
But this is my grand finale because I couldn't do it week after week after week. So let me just let me just ask you the question. It's really simple. If they teach you this evolutionary chart right here, and they show you, they show you this, doesn't that mean there has to be somebody in between this? Yes or no? It has to be. So now let me just show you one more, one more thing. One more. This is my last closing. This is my last closing right here. I know you all got things to do. More important than learning about what's going on in the world, right? No, I'm kidding. But I know we got to go. Just, let's watch this, though. Ancient man. I'll blow your mind right here. I got a whole sermon on this, but I want to blow your mind on this. Look at it. Oh, let me put here missing link, ancient man. Let me put a missing link. Guess who they think, guess who they thought missing links were? They thought the missing links were the Aborigines, the, the African people. Okay, I got to find this name. Missing links. Ancient. Man. Species. Here we go. There we go. These are ancient, these are the descriptions that they make of ancient men, and they put it. I'm going to find this one where they got them all there. Look at the aborigine there, right? Now watch this. I'm going to find this one. We're all going to get, you're going to be happy I did this. Trust me. I want to show you this one where they have them all together. And then you tell me why they're still teaching this in school. Here we go. I got a better one than that one. I'll use that one if I have to. Here we go. Let's use this one. I'll use this one because I have no one better to use. I have a better one I wish I could find. Some of them are right next to it. Here we go. Look at this right here. This is supposed to be Human Origins Smithsonian Institute. You see where that pit? Where is this picture from, y'all? Okay, so if I click on this right here, where is this taking me to? Right? So I'm not making this up. What does this say right there? There. This is what I wanted to find. I should have just gone to Smithsonian Institute. Y'all ain't even ready for this. I'll say this with tears coming down my eyes. Human characteristics, humans that change the world. Modern humans involved in Africa. Right? This is, this is it, right? Point to who in this room looks like it. Don't, but you know what I mean. If I said point to who in this room looks like this, who are you pointing to? Come on up here, TJ. Let's give it up for TJ as he comes. Come on. Right? Think about what they teach you in school. You didn't come from God. We're going to keep God out of the classroom because we can't talk about that. But we're going to show you from the Smithsonian Institute, these are your ancestors. And then you sitting in class, sitting next to TJ, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure it out. Come on up here, Will, please. Give it up for Will as he comes. Uh, teacher, um, I'm not the smartest one in the class, 
Why is it the people we're looking at that are like the like cavemen, most ancient of us, that are like closest to the monkeys? Why is it the pictures in the Smithsonian Institute? Uh, why do they look just like the black guys I'm sitting next to right now? Why is it they look like the Aborigines in Australia right now? This was supposed to be 164,000 years ago. And this, this dude's lighter than TJ. So as we got further from the monkeys, we became lighter. So whiter is better than darker. And, and teacher, when, when I click on the, the exhibit here, and I see all of these ancient people of evolution and all of these, these species and all of these things. What? Why is it I look? Why does this person look like a black dude that I met before? Why does, why does this homo florensius look just like... And isn't there a basketball player that looks like this with his hair man bun? Do you see what happens? You see, we stopped caring about our worldview. And the world began to make monkeys out of us. Make monkeys out of us. To where now, the guy who did the DNA helix goes... Well, we might as well go to Africa and go figure out how close these people really are to their ancestors. We might as well go there. Now, what did the Bible teach? Somebody say, I don't care what they say. Just give me the Bible. Come on, let's go to what the Bible teaches. Thus says the Lord. People ask, what color was Adam? I think Adam was a middle brown. Because if you mix black and white together, you get a middle brown. And then when you start to have children and you get the genes of just black and black, you get a black or you get the light. With the light, you get white. So middle brown has to be mixed with dark and light. Are you listening to me? I think in the genetic code, we were first created middle brown. Because middle brown is a mixture. And then when you isolate one group, they become lighter. You isolate one group, they become darker. You, uh, when we think of the world, they used to call that East Asia. I think our eyes were probably a little bit more slanted than the Europeans. Nose is a little bit more flatter because that's the predominant characteristic of the world. And so as Europeans got separated, they became lighter, bigger noses, bigger eyes, etc., and etc. We can prove that, by the way. I have links on that if you go back to that message. Somebody say, show me what the Word says. I know I've been long, but I hope you've learned something today. I don't waste time. I hope you didn't think I was wasting time. I found links that I know took me a minute, but I hope you don't think they were a waste of time. This is the last scripture. Look at what it says. From one man he made all nations. This is my brother. This is my brother. Amen? I don't care what those stupid pictures say. These are my brothers. They are not one step closer to a monkey than me, and I am not one step further. We are all one race, the human race. 
And if you want to be honest about it, I'm probably one step further away from the original man, and they're one step closer because we came from the Garden of Eden with color on our skin because we were made from the dirt of the ground. And last time, I didn't see dirt come out this light. Come on, somebody. Let's give it up for these brothers here. Amen. I love you, my brothers. From one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and their boundaries of their lands. That's why we all come from different cultures. God did this so that men would seek him and reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him, talking about Jesus, we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. We are his creation. Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus today. You made it. Come on, give it up for Jesus, though. Hallelujah. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? I'm surprised you're still here. Amen. We did it, though. God bless you. We did it.